Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. We had the big announcement on our Twitter yesterday. We're really, really excited about it. More on that later in our first group ride next Tuesday, the 8th of February. But I'm here with Benji, as always, for our first Race recap of the season, Volta alla Comunità Valenciana Stage 1. We'll also talk about Saudi Tour and Versailles briefly at the end. Can't believe the season's already here, Benji. And already, like, chock-a-block with racing throughout February. It's almost daily. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. And we've had two years where February was a bit changed and adapted. And this year, we've got a more normal start to the season, in my opinion. And... We've got the normal Argov and we've got the normal Valenciana and Andalusian all coming up. And I'm so hyped about the start of the season. We are seeing the biggest guns already riding in February. And we're we're gonna be here, right here to report on it. And I'm looking forward to doing so for today as well. Yeah, I'm just I can't believe it's already here. Wedgied up, and we can't wait to bring you even more coverage this year, including races. You would think it this isn't a world tour race. You're right. Valenciana's not. We have a different plan this year. If there are good teams, good riders at these races, we will be covering it. And Valenciana has Avonapol with his season debut for Quick Step alongside Jakobsen and Lampard and Catano. Movistar have Mars and Bala. Ayuso starting for UAE, as well as the Shark at Astana and rodriguez at ineos i'm sure i've missed some riders there vlasov season debut for bora oh no he's at mallorca but first time we'll actually see him live so yeah valencia's stacked field with gc riders and a few sprinters a few and far between the first stage 167 k's it had a 10k 4.2 percent climb in the middle after a 3k nine and a half percent it's a hard race down in valencia usually not one for sprinters then the, the finale was 40Ks of two climbs, neither of which were particularly outrageous. 4Ks, 5.4%, then a short descent, then a 4.6K, 7% climb, the Torralba del Pinar, and then like a rolling plateau at the end of 4Ks, 3.5Ks or so after that climb. So not expecting huge GC gaps, not outrageous climbs, uh, but when did you tune in, Benji? Was there a breakaway or, or who was taking it upon themselves to control today's stage? I basically started watching when we initially had the intermediate sprint, which happened with roughly, was it 25 kilometers to go just before the Ayodar climb? And that intermediate sprint was run in by Mohoric and Vlasov sprinting against each other. Vlasov took some GC seconds there, so that's pretty uh, important, I guess. He obviously wasn't the most... Uh, best sprinter in the world, but he's taking seconds there. So for GC, that can matter if it's a close call. But might it be a close call? I guess we would find out on the climbs afterwards, those two climbs you just mentioned. Ayodara being the first one, not a long climb either, but we saw some teams trying to set things up or prepare for the action. We saw a crash very early on on the climb. Marc Soler down, Molano and Nance Peteris. They seem to be relatively all right, it seems. So I'm guessing they went on their bike again and started riding again. 
And then eventually we saw Quickstep moving to the front. Quickstep Alpha Vinyl with Remco Evenepoel and Honoré as potential leaders at the start of this day. Because if it's a very attacking stage, we might see Remco being more prevalent on the stage than a Honoré who might have trouble with the climbing if the tempo is very high. So we had the two options in the camp of Quickstep there and Lampard was doing the God's work on that climb. He moved to the front, started pacing at a tempo that was hard enough to make sure that there's no second tier or thirty people trying to get away. And it's not hard to make sure that Evenepoel is comfortable in the wheel and so forth. And towards the end of that climb, we saw Honoré moving up as well and sitting nicely at the front as well. And that was, uh, I think, to keep Remco safe in the descent, right? Exactly. That meant they were first through the first in the descent. And I think Juan Ayuso, the young star in UAE, got caught up in that crash with Patez. I was keen to see how he'd go mixing it up at the end of this stage, but we were denied that opportunity. Hope all of those guys are okay. And the it's always interesting with these sort of climbs on the first stage where it's not so hard that the group is going to be whittled down to three, five guys. And these teams don't have eight Tour de France level sort of domestiques here either. And there's often power vacuums or teams doing odd things. And that's what we had here with Bahrain taking over from Quickstep because Quickstep really didn't have that many, they don't have that many climbers here to pace this for Avonapol. And Bahrain took over. And I was thinking, who, who, who are they riding for here? I was like, <laughs> is Croatia race Tim Williams? Like, is he on? And we just don't know because there's no lander here, uh, which is kind of surprising. And they have Lewis Leon. He's not the best climber. He's like a break guy. Dylan Turns, I think, needs a longer climb from a break. And Moritz would like a steadier tempo for a sprint, but they had Bilbao, Tratnik, and Turns and Lewis, yeah, Turns absolutely drilling it, and it dropped Moritz. And so they were left with just Lewis Leon, I think, and Turns sitting there being like, oh, well, what was the point of that? Uh, so that was, is there, am I missing something, Benji? Or, and Tratnik as well. Like, do you know why they might have done that? Well, at first, I would expect that we don't 100% know which form each rider is in. So, we don't know if Bilbao is in such a mediocre form that that is the reason that he's the first one to ride of those five because that was somewhat surprising when I saw it. Bilbao doing the pacing as one of the first riders. You'd say that that's a potential GC rider if he's in form, but apparently not because he was the first of the five riders. Trotnik, Domestik, we know that. He's not going to be winning the stage. And Mohoric was kind of doing weird stuff because first he was in second wheel, then in third wheel when... uh. Trotnik came past him, and then we saw Turns also pass Mohoric. So Mohoric was moving back, and I was like, are they now working for Mohoric? But they're kind of playing with it so that it's not obvious that they're working for Mohoric. And then suddenly, like you mentioned, he was kind of gone. And we saw that they were pacing quite hard, even for Luis Leon Sanchez to be able to follow. So I think whatever so, they were doing, they were doing it too fast or too hard because they were bringing themselves into trouble. And let's be honest, with that squad, should you be the one pacing on a climb like this? Because you've got oh. quite a few good riders in there, in that group. You've got the likes of an Evenepoel still with Mohonore still in that group as well. You've got Vlazov, who's also in that group and so forth. So yeah, I don't think they should have been pacing that much. It reminded me a lot of the pick on Blanco Vuelta stage where they just decided, let's just let's just drive pick on Blanco as yeah. hard as we can, even though it dropped Haig, even though Lander wasn't going to do anything. And they seemed, I don't know, they... 
Maybe the DS tell them it didn't make sense to me. And you've got to remember, a lot of Bahrain's wins last year were not to do with teamwork. They were just yeah. dominance from the particular rider in either break or solo move. Yeah. So anyway, that, that if, it, all suited, it all suited Remco, though. Yeah. What if instead of like pacing, they decided to roll attacks with those five riders, knowing that they were the exactly. team with the most riders? Because if you do that with Luis Nelson Sanchez, with even a, a Mohoric with a, a turns, then at some point, somebody's going to get a gap and people are going to get to watching each other. But I think that Movistar would have. Uh, with a, a foot in the door there because you've had Mulberger still in that group also with Moss and Valverde and to be honest on a parkour like this where the plateau section is after the climb Valverde could have a bit of a, a kick sprint right there so I was thinking perhaps they're going to keep it together they're going to try and not pace too hard right here and make sure Valverde gets over the climb so they can have a little bit of a sprint in a reduced group but then eventually Mulberger started pacing a decent tempo yes 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 until he started going by the side and Mastic over and he just obliterated the group. So I was like, well, that is, he can't follow you, mate. What's the, what's the plan? <laughs> it was, it was classic, classic mass. And you're right. I think Bahrain, if they'd rolled attacks, there was Mulberger who looked his back. He looked better. He sort of didn't ride that much last year for Movistar. He would have maybe closed that down. But Movistar, I was like, shouldn't you want to keep it like all the quick men are getting dropped? Just drive it. So yeah. Honore, Honore was, Morris was gone. Honoré was sort of the last guy that you thought, okay, he's a bit fast. And I'll be honest, Ben, I kind of think Mas sold Bauer here. And this is why this is why Miguel Angel Lopez, the big guy, like if he was here to pull or whatever, it makes a big difference. But, yeah, they Mas pulls and then stops. And then that has helped Avonapol because the last five or seven minutes of this climb has been very hard. Avonapol's had no domestiques to make it relatively hard for him. And now there's a power vacuum just before the end of the climb finishes when there's a thin group and no one has any domestiques anymore. It's like it's just been set up for him perfectly. And into that power vacuum attacks Antoine Tolhook, who's just been signed from, by yeah. Trek uh, from uh, Jumbo Visma. Ineos had Carlos Rodriguez and I think Sivakov in the group. Rodriguez looked the best of them. Gegenhardt, I think, was caught behind. And like, I don't know, Benji. Maybe must just tried to get away. It's t- sometimes it's hard to know because, like, he attacks at five hundred watts, so you <laughs> or four hundred watts, so you, you don't know what he's doing. But yeah, it's it seemed to be set up perfectly for Avonapol, and that's when he did the business. Yeah, quite certainly. We also saw that Fulsang was also making a bit of a move, trying to close down that Tolhook attack you mentioned. And honestly, I was like, okay, if nobody behind takes over, then these two riders might just magically do something here. But obviously, that Remco. Didn't want that to happen, but Rodriguez was the one that closed it down for Remco. Remco was in his wheel, and I was like, okay, you can you can do it for me. And then eventually, once they caught Tolk and so forth, again, the tempo stops completely, and that's when you know an attack is coming, and Remco was the one doing it. And let's be honest, it took about three seconds for a gap of 50 meters to occur, and I was like, okay, he wins. Like, I'd, Did you feel like anybody had a chance when you, when you saw nope. the gap? <laughs> that's the that's the thing like he it was good timing from him like he didn't i thought i thought and maybe earlier he would have in his career i thought when maybe Mulberger had just finished and Mar- or master just finished i thought he'd attack then and maybe valverde closed. he actually waited a little bit for a couple of attacks to go the tollhook one and then yeah they had a gap no domestiques there tollhook's not going to close him down slash was done and he didn't get out of the saddle just 
continue riding his pace. It was great timing, and as Benji said, it was the lack of reaction behind. The race was done. Vlasov eventually reacted, and sometimes he's hurt himself by overreacting on GC. Today it actually didn't hurt him too much um, chasing on his own, particularly when in the group behind we didn't see it at all, was probably, I'm guessing, Valverde and Mas in that group of five or yeah. seven and uh, no one pacing. So <laughs> those two looking at each other. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but Remco is gone. The climb finishes and then it's like a rolling little up and down descent ridge section where aero does matter and it, they're going high speeds. And once he had a gap of 15 seconds, curtains for everybody. And just it was set up perfectly for him. Classic win for Avonapol. Goes to the line and wins by 16 seconds ahead of Alexander Vlasov. Nice result for him. 31 seconds ahead of Rodriguez. Rodriguez looking good in third. Then Mars, Sanchez, <laughs> Tolhook, Valverde, Fulsang. And then Mohoric was group three with Dela Cruz and Honore, etc. Uh, so nothing more to say, Benji. Remco Mania begins. How, how should we rate this result? I haven't actually seen the climbing speeds, but yeah, uh, it couldn't have started better. I think it's a great start to the season. Now, obviously, it's February, so not everybody is in the best form of their year already. We saw it in uh, some other races today that some riders are not as great in February as they are in their Grand Tours. But in all honesty, like we've seen in previous years that Evenepoel can do this for a longer period of time. And yes, when he starts off the season with victories like this, it's going to motivate him a lot to keep this going. And not only in Valenciana, but Algarve coming up and so forth and aiming for his first, was it? He's riding Tireno, right? So uh, perfect parkour to try the same stuff as well. So I'm so fascinated that he's in top form because he brightens up races. He's entertaining to watch. And uh, I like that he uh, was able to perform this today. Now, I do want to add that I think that a user was not the one that crashed for UAE because he ended up being 13th on a minute four. And if he was the one crashing, then that's a very good performance. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so I that think it be- was all there. <laughs> okay, my bad, my bad. Sorry, I, I'm still not used to the new kits, the <laughs> new rider, the new transfer. A little bit rusty. Yeah. Let me shake it out. Come on, it's only February, it's early. It's preseason yeah. for us too. We need, I want to talk about Remco's schedule in a, in a second, Benji. Before I do, mention our show partner, Zwift. If you don't know, Zwift is the indoor cycling app that makes training fun with nine different worlds based on real life and fantasy locations, including Innsbruck and Richmond Worlds. Tons of workouts and training programs and a huge community to keep you company whilst you ride. In fact, there was many the weather here in Andorra. It's like, it's, it's actually mental. There was an earthquake, <laughs> a four magnitude, Ooh. and people like, four magnitude earthquake, that's not even that bad. It woke us up at 3 a.m., dog went crazy. And then the next day, 100k hour winds, but it was warm. It was like 12 degrees. You look out, like, I'll go for a ride. No, 100k hour winds ain't crashing again <laughs> this year. That's my New Year's resolution. So the Zwift has been really useful for me in the off-season. Benji and I got big plans uh, pers- with our personal fitness goals with Swift. But next week on Tuesday, we have our first ever ever LRCP Zwift group ride. It'll be after Valenciana's finished. So there's going to be a, it's going to be a Q&A ride, basically. We have a Discord set up where Benji and I will be on audio. You can ask questions in Discord uh, via text. And yeah, we'll answer those questions. It'll be a 60-minute social spin, all fitness levels welcome. And it's our first one. So we'd really appreciate if you have Zwift or want to join Zwift, joining us on that group ride. The link to the event is down below. You said Tereno Remco 
off a of Remco Benji. I'm saying yes. Tour. Tour de France. Yep. Just do it. I don't think he's going. Uh, <laughs> he's not. I don't know. <laughs> but to be honest, it's probably the not the most stressful race to go to because the Giro is usually the one where you've got the shady descents and so forth. The Tour doesn't really have that many shady descents that happen. So it's Tour of Vuelta when it comes to parkour. And I think they're sending him to the Vuelta to make it uh, less stressful in Belgian media. I think that's the reason they're doing that. And I'll have I'm not saying it's the right thing to do to send him to the tour. Yeah. I'm just saying a couple more dot pro stage wins and a dot pro GC win and Lefebvre is just going to go, fuck it, <laughs> send him to the Tour de France. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, I'm also a lunatic. So for my well, personal, I want him there. To be honest, and if you put him behind Mercury, he might start winning sprint stages. So you never know. <laughs> <laughs> never forget the Bernal Remco sprint in the Giro. But yeah. yeah, it's great It's great to see him back, um, you know, polarizing figure. Love him or hate him. Seems to be a polarizing figure. Good to see him back. Vlasov, he's quite, been quite good on these punchy climbs, Benji, um, in Mallorca, which wasn't live, but he was good there. He's won Emilia in 2020. He's looking he's looking pretty good. But tomorrow's stage in Volta la Comunitat Valenciana, 172Ks. It's a fit sprinter's stage. There's a lot of low gradient climbs it's from batera to torrent the last climb's 4k's 3% about oh, 15k's from the finish there's a collection of 5 4k 4 to 5% climbs in the middle of the stage but really a sprinter in good condition the likes of which you know Christoph and who is here should be making it over who do you what well, do you think Jakobsen will get around he should i think Fabio Jakobsen wins the sprint and i think it's Honestly, also a, a good team surrounding him to set tempo throughout the stage to make sure there's not a break winning, for example. When it comes to a lead out for Jakobsen, we've got the man himself here, right? Mikkel wow. Merku. And, uh, They've as not a even brought a GC team. They've brought yeah, a sprint exactly. team. And Lampard in that train, put in Honoré perhaps as well at some point. Cherny to be one of the faster riders as well to keep up the tempo in the sprint train. So you've, you've got a sprint train that can deliver Jakobs into the victory. And we know that people that are in the wheel of Merku win. So he's going to do that. Other fast men, one of which we, who we recently interviewed on Latin Recycling Podcast, who doesn't mind a hill, Matthew Walls on Bora Hansgrohe. Watch out for him. Ineos have Viviani. He'll probably be led out by Freyler and Swift. Bram Welton on Groupama FDJ Nizolo. is quite fast. Nitzolo on Israel Premier Tech. He'll have Brandler and Yente Berman's not a great lead out there. But yeah, it's it's Jakobsen's to win. And we'll expect Quickstep to be controlling things. And if he does get dropped, bring him back. Uh, but otherwise, Avonapol's in the lead for GC. Not sure how Movistar will play it. Rodriguez looking good. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait for this race to continue. I don't expect GC action tomorrow. Uh, the stage three is the real nasty, nasty stage. So well, I'm expecting a sprint stage tomorrow. Predictions, Benji, you going Jakobsen? I'm going Jakobsen as well. <laughs> We're not contrarian today, right? <laughs> Actually, last thing oh. on that, Benji, who do Jumbo Visma go for? Afini, Decker, Enkhorn, Lehmreiser. Is Lehmreiser not a sprinter? Is he Decker. Afini is also a time trialist, so I wouldn't be sprinting with Afini either. So I think Decker is uh, the pure sprinter in that team. But I also want to say that I think a surprise podium by someone like Timothy Dupont is definitely not out of the cards because last year in Bessage, he also got a, a pretty good result. I think he won a stage last year at Bessage or Provence early season. So early season, he seems to be pretty all right as well. So perhaps he can also do it here. Moschetti, Rostenga, new lead-up man for Trek, Christoph. 
Christophe Intermarche. If I was them, I'd be trying to put Jakobsen under pressure on those hills if I was Intermarche, if you want Christophe to get a good result. Same probably with Ineos if Viviani's got his climbing legs. But yeah, wedge eat up, first race of the season. We're now going to talk about the Saudi Tour and Etoile de Versailles briefly. Uh, this is what we're going to try and do a bit more this season is co- cover everything, not necessarily a full podcast episode, but to just cover off various races in case so you can get your news all from us. Uh, we'll start, and also Yumbo Vismid preview dropping tomorrow as well. We, we haven't forgotten. Saudi Tour Stage 2, Stage 1, by the way, that was won by Caleb Ewan in a sprint, no problem. Today was a 1.6K, 7.5% climb finish. Pretty weak puncher field here, if we're honest. Uh, <laughs> it's not not great. Sort of really Koshta was the main man today in the bookies' odds, and he's not been great. At his 2015 legs for a while. Bagioli crashed yesterday. He would have been the big five-star favorite. And Bray got caught. They got to the bottom of the climb. Santiago Batrago, the young Colombian, rode off the front pretty much in front of Fred Wright. His teammate lost his wheel. No one reacted. Quickstep had Ballerini and Seneschal. They didn't react at all, or they weren't able to rather pull for Bagioli, who was did start and look good. And Bagioli had to close that after Osset bridged to Batrago. Bagioli then pulled Betrago until the last 400 metres when it levelled off and then Betrago just spanked him in the sprint, <laughs> like surprisingly fast. He was good in Circuito de Gecho, a one-day Basque race last year against Nizzolo on a punchy uphill finish and Ida Schelling and Aliotti. And yeah, his first pro win, great for Betrago. What did you think of the stage, Benji? Was, were you disappointed by Bagioli? I think his level was fine. I just think he underestimated Betrago a lot. I think we can't really blame Bajoli's form because of the crash yesterday as well, you know, in that first stage on the gravel section. So even if it isn't the best Bajoli we've seen, we can't really blame him for it. Butrago quite certainly played it not only strong, but clever. Like you mentioned, he kind of abused Bajoli and us both. He stayed in the wheel of us (laughs) as long as possible and then (laughs) dropped him. And then when your boy Bajoli bridged up, he jumped in the wheel of Bajoli and just stayed in the wheel of Bajoli until the sprint starts. And he actually launched with like, I think, 250 to 300 meters to go. So quite a long sprint uphill drag as well. So this was a strong performance. It took a bit for Bajoli to react on that attack. But honestly, what a ride. And this youngster, 22 years old, we've spoken about him last year during Burgos as well when he came, uh, was it seven on Laguna Zanaya? Yes. So uh, I'm, I'm hyped about it. And I, and I hope that we see uh, a lot more from Santiago Butrago. I think we might see him for the first time at a Grand Tour at the Vuelta this year, perhaps. So hopefully that happens. I also want to shine a light on Anton Charmig. He is third on the stage. You know, ex last unit tour of Turkey, rode pretty strong on the Gogubeli climb. And I was expecting him to do decently on this parkour as well. And he came third. So quite happy to see that. I think the next climbing stage is the fourth one, right? But uh, yeah. Caleb Ewan. Yeah, Poggio Ewan. Well, that, that's what, well. By the way, Butrago, we were outraged. You didn't get sent to the Vuelta last year. Hundred percent agree with what Benji just said. I want to see him in bigger races, not riding as a flat domestique in the Dauphiné like last year. The top ten: Butrago, Bagioli, Charmig. This is a one point six k seven point seven climb. Fourth, Van Hills. Fifth, Costa. Sixth on seven seconds with that group. Caleb Ewan, then Zingle, Oliveira, Silverbath, and Benjamin de Klerk making up the top 10. Zingle, quite good, by the way. Sprinty eye for Cofidis. Watch out for him. Were you surprised, Benji, by Ewan? Or to be honest, I wasn't really. Like they paced yeah. it steady for him, Van Hills and Du Bois. And 
I, I don't think this is like a Roglic, Pagacha, Alaphilippe level punching performance. I may be wrong. So yeah. I think it was fine from Ewan. I think I agree. Uh, we saw them pace it nicely behind. It's also not the biggest competition. This does not declare that Caleb Ewan will be winning a 3,500 plus meter uh, altitude meter uh, world championships in Wollongong this year, unless it's uh, flat for the last 70 kilometers. But uh, yeah, I think this is basically the Ewan that could do well at Sanremo as well. So I definitely sign him up again for that race. And honestly, it's a, it's a good performance. I'm happy that we see it because it's better than some of the other preparation years he had. Valenciana last year, he looked poor in the sprints. So what could he have been on the climbs in that race as well? So it's good to see that he's already decent on the climbs here. And I uh, look forward to seeing him beat the others in the sprint once again in the upcoming stage. Have we got Hatterdam at UAE? Uh, I think we might have Hatterdam, Benji. Uh, oh, no, we don't. I'm lying. So we don't. We don't. Forget what I said. Hatterdam, Ewan, is looking pretty good. But that was Saudi yeah. Tour. Tomorrow's a sprint. And then stage four, as Benji said, has got a disgusting climb. It's 3 Ks, 11.5%. So uh, Petrago, the man to beat on GC now because Bagioli lost 20 minutes in a crash, unfortunately, yesterday. The other race that was on with a with stacked World Tour field, Ineos there as well, and Trek, was Etoile de Bessege, Tour de Garde, a, a flattish stage with heavy crosswinds, 160Ks, but with a punchy finish that featured last year that I think Laporte beat Buani on. It's got like a yep. 10% pinch in it. Benji was covering this one. What's your report? So basically throughout the parkour, I tuned in just after the echelons happened, which is a bit unfortunate because I was watching the 70 billion other races that were on today. But... We saw a group that included Ghana pacing at the front of the group in the elite group at the front. And that group had roughly 20 riders to 15 riders. And not only Ghana, but Karapas, GC leader for that team in that front group. And Betiol was in that group as well. Mes Pedersen with a teammate, Tom Scoins. And we also had like four riders from Arkea with Hofstetter as the fastest man. And also uh, Total with Burgodo and also Lawless as the fastest man on this stage as well. So... We're looking at a potential uh, uphill finish into the Côte de la Tour in Belgarde, that small climb you just spoke about. And I was looking at those riders and I was like, who's the best puncher here? And in all honesty, we've seen Peterson do good climbs on this time of terrain in the past. We saw that Lawless had a bad year last year, but two years ago he did well in, how oh, was it, Tour of Britain or something with similar parkours against Greg van Avermaet. So I was writing him down a tiny bit. I was slightly hoping that Betiol would do well as well because we've got a time trial on day five. Perhaps he could go for GC this way. I wasn't expecting too much from Carapaz despite knowing that he's uh, solidly strong on uphill finishes like in, uh, was it Polonia last year we won a stage? So looking at those riders and in the second group, we saw that Unomex was pacing just like in the front group. So that was confusing. Double <laughs> EV exposure, I guess. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's fun to see. Nonetheless, EF was also pacing a bit behind and in the front group. But I think that was strategic to make sure that they were breaking a bit while pacing. They were trying to make sure that once they go off the front or go to the front, the tempo go down goes down a bit. If there's one rider ahead of them, they would stop pacing and make sure that one rider rides off in the distance. So it was kind of fun to see that strategy. And in the end, that front group did indeed make it. We saw Total bridging it up and making sure they had a large tempo onto that Côte de la Tour. But in all honesty, Lawless went off first, and he had a bit of a gap. And then Burgodeau, from his own team, 
also looked pretty good. And I was like, yeah. what if what if you combine those powers and use one as a lead out for the other? Then perhaps they do better. But one man was better today. One man striked past them and it was Mess Peterson hammering it on the steepest part of the Côte de la Tour. And in the end, taking roughly 20 meters by the top of the climb and making sure that he can keep the gap on the latter, flatter part of the climb as well to the line. And Mess Peterson won here, the Danish masterpiece on the Côte de la Tour, taking the home, the uh, first stage and the leader's jersey. Rounding up the top 10, Hofstetter second on one second with Bosenhagen, Betiol fourth, looking good for GC for the hardest stages to come. Then Bergero, Lawless, Ghana, Benjamin Thomas, Craig Van Avert, Martin Schoens rounding out the top 10. Carapaz, February Carapaz ain't Giro Carapaz, two different riders. So February preseason <laughs> Carapaz, just don't worry about it. Ghana, probably better climber than him uh, right now. Tomorrow's stage, bit rollier, bit of a longer uphill finish. 1,600 metres at 6.3%. I'd be interested to see how Pedersen... Nah, Pedersen probably won't get over it. They've got Greg Van Avermaet, um, Gervin Tayson. All right. Ineos will probably try their numbers. They do have uh, Ben Tullett, who's quite a punchy guy that they've just brought in from Alpes and Phoenix. Anything else from Etoile de Bessage, Benji? Honestly, not that much. We've got Carapaz and Latour in GC taking a bit of seconds there. Like I said, Betiol at the front taking time. So perhaps, but I think uh, stage four is the difficult one for him in GC. Montbouquet is a longer climb. So if he can get enough time in a stage like today and perhaps on the hill tomorrow and so forth on the better climbers, then perhaps he can have enough to keep in that eventual time trial as well. But Everything's open, and I think the upcoming stages will still change a lot in GC, so there's not too much to talk about yet. Ulysses, uh, Covey, Court, Bantiol, uh, George Zimmerman, fair few options for that punchy uphill finish tomorrow. I'll be keen to see how it plays out. Maybe it's a breakaway, and I'm completely wrong. Uh, but yeah, we'll stay tuned for that. Let us know how you like the format of this podcast, keeping you abreast of all races. I quite like it, and just keeping on top of all the news thanks to Zwift, our title sponsor, for their support of the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Remember to check out the link down below for our first group ride next Tuesday, and we'll see you with the stage recaps tomorrow. Ciao.